All right, we are live with the Working Tools Podcast. I am Stephen Chung, one of your co-hosts, and uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the Working Tools Podcast, a conversation about Freemasonry. Whoops, hang on a second here. And uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome you to the Working Tools Podcast, a conversation about Freemasonry. Whoops, hang on a second here. And uh, there we go. I'm gonna have to close that window. Nope, I'm getting somebody else's got feedback going. Somebody else has the uh. I'm going to have play in the background. There we go. All right. Okay, let's start that over. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a conversation about Freemasonry. I'm your co-host, Stephen Chung, past master of Prince Charles Lodge in Kelowna, British Columbia. <clears throat> and uh, uh, with me today is Connor Massey from the Vancouver Island. And uh, David Colbeth from Washington, and he'll introduce our guest in a couple of moments. Uh, first, it's important to note that our opinions and our thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of the Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Um, if uh, we ask that if you do enjoy this podcast, uh, by all means, please um, uh, like, share, comment, and review us in YouTube, as it does help with our ratings. Uh, we would sure appreciate it. And uh, a little bit about my history uh, for this uh, topic. I'm a two-time past master counselor, Beaver Chapter, past chapter, Dad of Ogopogo Chapter. Um, uh, like I say, past master, Prince Charles Lodge here in Kelowna, and uh, past vice peace and grand master of the Scottish Rite in Valley of Vernon. 32nd degree master mason and i'll now pass the intro over to connor massey thank you steve i'm connor i'm a master mason and officer of both astro lodge number three in nanaimo british columbia and henderson lodge number 84 in victoria british columbia uh uh on the topic of interacting with us while we are live it is super important uh, that if you want to interact with us live, you can do so in the live chat on YouTube, or you can do so on our Discord server, the link to which is down below. Now, with that said, I will allow Dave to introduce himself and then introduce our guest host for the day. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm David Colbeth. I'm a Master Mason in Washington State and uh, past master of my lodge, Auburn in Auburn, Washington, King Solomon Lodge number 60. Uh, also a 32nd degree Mason, and uh, we can go on and on. I did remember to, to say I'm a, also a life member of Grand Mound Historic Lodge Number 3. That was something I have been getting to say, and it's kind of fun to be part of that. Uh, one of the first three original lodges in Washington State. It's my pleasure today to introduce a, a, a friend, we can say that in Masonry, but more, more importantly, a mentor of mine, uh, Most Worshipful Brother Jim V. Mendoza. Jim was a past master counselor in senior DMLA since 1977. He received the degree of Chevalier in 1987 and the Active Legion of Honor in 2002. 
Jim met his sweetheart, Laura, while he was a DMLA and she was with Job's Daughters. They have enjoyed a wonderful life, full life, enjoying their passion for musical theater. The challenge in 2008 when Laura was diagnosed with breast cancer, her strength inspired him to become a passionate advocate for awareness and his significant involvement with the Puget Sound Komen for the Cure. I know we'll talk about that just a little bit. Jim became a Mason in 1997 and quickly served in various positions in his home lodge and his dedication to service throughout our jurisdiction and the extended Masonic family throughout the world, delivering a special message to our Canadian brothers. In 2013, Jim was elected as Junior Grand Warden to the Grand Lodge Washington and was installed into the Oriental Chair on June 11, 2016. At his installation, Jim introduced a series of initiatives that he felt would help secure a positive foundation and advance the fraternity in Washington. These included a focus on central themes such as the quality of Masonic experience, leveraging technology, Masonic education, and development of future leaders. Now, as past Grand Master, Jim serves as the president of the Board of Directors of Washington Masonic Charities and his chairman and his chairman of the development committee. We are pleased to welcome most worshipful Jim B. Mendoza. Thanks, David. Um, I'm just going to make one correction to, to, to that. Uh, um, the current president of Washington Masonic Charities is actually Larry Foley. Uh, as you know, you and I have both uh, kind of, have kind of, for lack of a better term, uh, aged out of uh, of, uh, of that of, of, of that board. Uh, but uh, I still I still serve the board of directors. But yeah, I'm, st I'm, uh, I'm strictly I'm strictly as chair of the development committee. But I want to make sure that Larry gets his props because he's doing some great work as the current chairman. Yeah, I see they were in uh, Washington D.C. this week visiting and doing some things there. It looks like there's some doing some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're working on the uh, civility uh, program uh, with the uh, most worshipful brother Rush Shavonia, past grandmaster out of uh, California, and uh, it's making a lot of headway. What a neat program! I, I really enjoy that. I, I was fortunate to be part of. Uh, I post on Facebook, uh, they call it Watchdogs. It's a dad of great students, uh, kind of an inaugural program in our, in our, I thought, gosh, wouldn't this be amazing to tie in the civility program with the Watchdogs program? And, and then uh, I thought for some of that program is also designed to be, to bring fathers or men into the schools. And so wouldn't it be cool to have Masons throughout the state and throughout the country to be part of that Watchdogs and bringing in a civility and just, it's, my mind was racing a million miles an hour thinking about that stuff. and. <laughs> So the, all the support that you've shown uh, us over the years and me especially and, and uh, helping to mentor me and so very thankful for that well it's kind you were uh, we were talking in the green room about a, a program that you're a, a message that you're putting together for the was it the grand lodge of oregon is that correct uh kenton lodge uh, number 145 down in oregon is uh, this year has a program where they're bringing in uh past grand masters from up and down the west coast uh to kind of provide a level of masonic education for the brethren uh, as fate would have it, uh, last month Rush Charbonia was there uh, to talk about um, talk about civility. I'm going to go, be going down in a couple of weeks, and I'm going to be uh, sharing a sharing a sharing a program called uh, "Our Mighty Oaks Have Fallen." Uh, the premise behind it is is that when you think about it, uh, many of the leaders and uh, mentors and role models that you and I and others have have, have enjoyed over the course of time uh, are going to their final reward, and as we start looking at this, we realize that we are our, we are our, our own front line, um, and so we become we're we're slowly but surely becoming those mighty oaks. And so, as a result, what are our responsibilities uh, to the fraternity? 
I'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts down there, and I'm looking forward to sharing some of those thoughts here as well. I'm really looking forward to hearing that because, you know, it's one of the most important things we have to remember as our uh, membership grows in, in their senior years. And uh, uh, like in our lives, we're actually going to write down some of these traditions so they don't get lost and mm -hmm. uh, realizing that, you know, half of our old guard is gone and, and the, the younger old guard doesn't know everything. So, uh, you know, as much as they like to think they do every now and then, you know, um, we don't. And just, so I think uh, it's a very powerful message you have. Just remember, Steve, uh, that uh, even though some of the Mighty Oaks are fallen, we, we still have Eric Anderson to look up to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Most Marshall, do you know, are those uh, being recorded or videotaped at all, those messages? Um, I don't know if they're recording them or not. Um, obviously I'll have, uh, the, and David, you'll, you'll find this to be a, a bit of a surprise because you, you've seen me speak before. I'll actually have written notes, uh, <laughs> um, instead of just, you know, bullet points that are on, on an index card. Uh, but no, I will, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to sharing that, to, to sharing that document out there because, uh, you know, while it's, it's, you know, when we talk about our mighty, when we talk about you know our, our mighty oaks there's so much more than just you know the the traditions of the lodge and how we do things um there's also how do we actually comport ourselves as masons uh how do we connect with brethren uh because you know i you'll you've heard me say this multiple times we're in a highly connected society but we're incredibly disconnected individuals um there's something about uh Freemasonry, meeting in a lodge room, meeting over a cup of coffee, meeting over dinner that is sadly becoming very, very unique. Um, to be able to connect hand to hand, heart to heart, face to face is something that I think is very, very important. And so that's that's going to be part of uh, part of what I talk about. Um, but a lot of what I a lot of that is, is is actually inspired uh, in part by two things. Number one, my mentor, Bill Miller, because he had a he had a similar program. But really, this is kind of strange, and it goes back to the, the ancientness of our fraternity. I'm inspired by the words of Marcus Cicero, from uh, who died in 43 BC. Uh, he talked about something called the the six mistakes of man. And when you read those six mistakes of man, and you kind of apply it to Freemasonry, one of the things you find is that we're still making the same mistakes. And Cicero wrote this thing 2,000 years ago. Uh, I mean, th little things like uh, the delusion that individual advancement is made by crushing, subduing, or silencing others, the tendency to worry about things that cannot be changed, insisting that a thing is impossible because we cannot do it ourselves, refusing to set aside trivial pre preferences, neglecting development and refinement of the mind, um, and attempting to compel others to believe and live as we do. Um, I think we're pretty good on one in six, you know, but in terms of the fact that we don't get caught in those traps, but it's the middle four that I think is our problem. And that's, that's where I'll be focusing a lot of, a lot of what, what I'm going to talk about. I remember when I was a DDGM trying to put together a message more than just what the grandmaster had provided and re recite that every time I had a meeting, uh, I was looking in a, in a manuscript that was published from our grand lodge years ago. And, you know, we always talk about having issues with membership and attendance and, and memorization and all these things that seem like they're current issues. I was so I, I would start off my speech by outlining this message from this ancient document, and <laughs> I would ask the guys, 
So when do you think this was from? It sounds like it was just from this year, right? And of course it wasn't, it was from 1956. And so you said this, you know, same problems over and over again, it seems like sometimes. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it is, you know, there, 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 I was talking when we were in the green room earlier, we're talking about, uh, you know, the Scottish Rite Master Craftsman Program. And one of the things they, one of the things they do talk about is that, is, is that concept of the wisdom of the ages. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm borrowing my, I'm, I'm inspired by a, by a work that was written over the two, 2000 years ago, but guess what? The wisdom of the ages can be fairly recent. Uh, it could be as recent as, in your case, fifty years ago. It could be as recent as ten years ago. Sometimes it's as recent as you know, you know, two minutes ago. It's amazing some of the things, some of the things that we run into. But no, I think there's, it's, it's important that that if we want to continue to advance the fraternity, and if we can want to continue to do the things that we need to do to have Freemasonry be what it needs to be. I mean, you think about the fact that you know there was a period of time that in some societies, I, I look at my town, uh, Puyallup, where I live. Um, if you were a member of the city council or if you were a police officer or a firefighter, you were a member of the Masonic Lodge. That's just how it was. And and that that wasn't an unusual thing back in the day. You had lodges that if you worked on the docks, you were a member of this lodge over here. If you worked in the jewelry business, you were a member of this lodge over here and so forth. And what you found was that, you know, individuals who would become brothers would get together and they would find ways to, you know, manifest their Freemasonry by taking care of each other. Uh, so you never, you never worried about that sort of thing. Over the course of time, a lot of that, inf a lot of that stuff has gone away. And as a result, you know, one of the things that happens is that you lose your influence over time. I mean, you know, David, we've been running around um, doing a lot of stuff with this Lansdowne portrait, uh, this, this, you know, reproduction of the 1796 Lansdowne portrait. And we're going out to places. And for those lodges that have maintained those connections with their communities through how their lodges originally started, it's been great. But there are some lodges, you know, they'll show up. They got a huge building in the middle of town and they'll show up somewhere. And, and the, the, the people say, you guys still exist, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. you know, there's there's just there's just things that we have to do because you know we've got we can't be insular anymore we have to we have to we have to we have to understand that those who came before us you know they did the things to hope to to the idea was to set us on a path and sadly far far too often we've neglected what they gave us and now we're kind of fighting back your lodge has done some great things uh Starting with you know doing the things you need to do to get to improve your building, um, because again, it's you, you know you hear about the scholarships, right? You know how we give out all this money in scholarships, and then these people show up at our buildings, and our buildings look like trash, and they wonder how are they going to afford to pay me? Right. <laughs> like, you know, little there's little things. So you guys have done some great things, and you and you guys are involved in the communities, are involved in the schools, you know. Uh, and you know, I, I've I've been down there, you know, on, on the community celebrations where you guys are in the parades or or where you're making the barbecue pork sandwiches, <laughs> little things like that. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people forget that you know, yeah, we wear tuxedos or kilts or whatever we do to 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 um to manifest physically our Freemasonry, but you know something, you got to be out in the community. You've got you've got to you've got to do those things. So. But yeah, you know, Mike. So my congratulations to you. But you know, I look at things like mentoring is the biggest thing. 
you know, you mentioned that you consider me a mentor, and I thank you so much for that. But, you know, and Stephen, you talked about, you know, the idea of some of the traditions. Yeah, because, yeah, we have to do more than just show somebody how to memorize an obligation. Right. And, you know, we, we do that. Too. It's, you know, we all, all tell us, okay, you're proved up. Good. Now you're a Mason. <laughs> no, you and then they go, now what? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. There's, there's things you got to do. So, you know, so yeah, so they have to meet other members of the lodge. As, as that's some that seems silly, but think about this: How many times have you gone to lodge? You sat down, you look across the way, and you see the newest master mason, and he's sitting by himself. Not in our lodge, you know. You got again. You got that's part of that deal. You got to have that connection. So you, right. you, you not do that. And then of course, you go out. You got to go out and see how other lodges do what they do, especially right after he's been raised. Right. Right. Because yeah. guess what? You know he's been seeing the degree from one perspective. Now he gets to see it from the perspective of the spectator. And that's really important because that helps that helps him with the catechism, but it also helps him see, okay, this is what's going on. Now I'm now I'm starting to develop a level of understanding. Um, we got introduced into to various sources of Masonic knowledge. These podcasts are wonderful, but you know, there's you know, I taught I've already talked about the, the about the master craftsman um, uh, that, that we have down here in the southern Masonic jurisdiction of Scottish Rite. Steve, you were talking about an educational program that you guys have up in BC. Connor, I believe you were doing something like that as well. Um, we got to talk about the various different Masonic organizations. Not so, not so much to encourage them to join them now, but to kind of let them know, look, there's other ways of deepening your knowledge of the fraternity. Um, you know, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me was, and you, you have my picture on your Facebook page, uh, was that... Shortly after I was raised, I got a book in the mail from uh, Bill Miller. Bill is uh, was one of the one of my predecessors as grandmaster. Funny theory about Bill. Uh, ah. I, um, Bill was the president of the school board when I went to Federal Way High School back in 1981. Um, I can I can say probably with great I can say with great confidence that I'm the only grandmaster to ever have his high school diploma signed by a grandmaster. <laughs> I say that with great confidence. Um, but you know, Bill sent me a book called *Pilgrim's* *A Pilgrim's Path*, written by John Robinson, who at the time was a non-Mason, and he and he believed this book to be the best plain language example, uh, the best plain language tome of the fraternity. And I found myself reading that often. Um, I even loan it out to friends. I say, "Here's the thing: you're going to give it back to me because we're going to talk about it." And. Uh, I think there's a brother I'm kind of listening in, watching right now. He asked me, "What would you, well, I'm overseas right now. What kind of what would you recommend for me to deepen my knowledge of the fraternity?" I said, "I don't know if it's still in print. Go to Amazon.com, find a Pilgrim's Path." Sure enough, he found it. Again, it was written by a non-Mason, and the cool thing about it was, at the end of the day, he was made. He he joined the fraternity on his own research. So yeah, when 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 Lynn, uh, my wife, was trying to learn more about masonry, uh, she said. Uh, we could start a, a ladies book club. And so uh, they actually, I have a connection through the publisher of the dummies series books. And we got a bunch of the Masons for dummies books and they started a class and there were several ladies attending. And I was getting comments from the guys saying, what is your wife teaching my wife? Cause they <laughs> ask questions and they didn't know the answer. To them. I said, well, you better find out the answer if you don't know the answer. So it was great because it wasn't just about Masonry. It was about all the concordant organizations. And so, I think they learned as much or more about it than I even knew. And so it was a really neat experience. 
And that ties in line to the comment, you know, we always hear if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You know, if, if, if we keep our masonry to ourselves and, you know, we, we disappear on a Monday or a Wednesday, whatever day we disappear to in our tuxedo, whatever the case may be, and then we don't come back and talk about it, we're not going to get a whole lot of support, you know, if, if, if the lodge wants us to do something. Because, you know, it's like, you know, what, again, what's in it? You know, what's in it for me? That kind of thing. I remember um, one night after an entered apprentice degree, we had a nice agape. I think it was actually at Verity and Kent there. And uh, the, the guy, we asked him if he had any questions. And he said, well, what can I tell my wife? Because, <laughs> you know, it, the impression is that everything's secret. And there's actually not, not a lot that's technically secret. Um, if I can ask you a question, Jim. Yes, sir. You mentioned that in the photo you had the Pilgrim's Path. Uh-huh. Uh, but you also have Lemez and Schultz and Peanuts. Yes. Uh, what's the significance of those two books for you? Uh, real simple. Uh, the, the, the the Schultz book, it's The Wisdom of Charles Schultz. Uh, I'm a lifelong fan of Peanuts. That's right, Charlie Brown, Snoopy, the whole bit. And uh, if you read it very, if, if you read the strips pretty closely, you're noticing that Charles Schultz is passing down a lot of wisdom. Uh, little things that a lot of people don't think about. Um, and I think a lot of it comes from his own, because Charles Schultz was personally insecure. Um, but I think a lot of it comes from there. And so to be able to get a little bit more in depth about his wisdom was was kind of cool for me. The, and as for Les Mis, um, if I look at it from, from a personal standpoint, Victor Hugo and I share the same birthday. But beyond that, uh, the story of redemption uh, that Jean Val that the story of Jean Valjean is is something that's incredibly inspiring to me. Add to that, I'm a huge fan of musical theater, so guess what? I've seen Les Mis seven times. Um, I actually know the entire original libretto by heart. Uh, it's it's so it's not unusual for me to either bust out in the song or break out into a line. Just what, so those. <laughs> Those three books were kind of. I just wanted to have. I just wanted to have something a little different there. Kind of give the brethren ideas as to what inspire, what inspires me, what motivates me, what drives me. So next time I'm in, uh, next time I'm in Washington, we're going to go see musical theater together. Um, we can make that happen. You'd have to. You'd have to enjoy the date with his lovely wife Laura, and I know that you and Laura enjoy that uh, musical theater together and enjoy date nights in general. And they're very a strong commitment. I, I really admire you for that that when you set that time that you focus on that and you don't break it, even if there's something happening, uh, it's, it's very admirable. Well, thanks. Um, you know, I'm date night's kind of a big deal for me. I long time ago, I worked for American express and I was in the financial advisors division and a bunch of us got to go back to Chaska, Minnesota for um, uh, some advanced training. And, uh, the keynote speaker was Doug Lennick, who at the time, uh, was the executive vice president from financial advisors. And in, in his, in his speech to us, he kept referring to his second wife. The whole time, kept referring to his wife as his second wife. And quite frankly, it was getting offensive, you know? And all of a sudden, the dial changed. Because he said, you've probably heard me referring to my wife as my second wife. And I can tell that some of you are uncomfortable with that thought. Let me put it in perspective. He says, that means that I have a failed marriage on my resume and I'm not proud of that. And then one day when my wife called, now he changed it from second wife to wife. My wife called and I had to apologize one more time for missing an important an important event, uh, whether it be a, a little league game, a, a, a night out, whatever the case may be. 
as he was apologizing, he looked down at, at his calendar and saw an open time and blocked her out for a date. And that became date night. And again, the, his, his whole theory was that, uh, that you have to remember that you have a family. David, you made the comment during the green room. You have a family at home. They, their time is valuable. Their time is meaningful. And you can't, you can't ignore that time. And so I took that to heart because there were people in the room talking about, oh, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to work 80 hours and think, I'm, I'm seeing wedding rings on their hands. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, good luck with that. I don't know how that's, I don't know how that's going to hold. And it's the old line, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And one of the things that we can mentor our, 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 our brethren on is, yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of opportunity in Freemasonry to do what you want to do. But don't forget, you've got, you've got responsibilities. You've got responsibilities at home. You've got responsibilities with your faith. You have responsibilities with your job, especially if you're like David and I and, and you two who are still working. Things like We have responsibilities. And we have, to, we, have to keep those, we have to keep those in mind. Uh, because if we don't, then all of a sudden this beautiful thing that we're in called masonry becomes something ugly to everyone else. And we can't have that. Yeah, talk, talking about commitments and uh, things that you're passionate about uh, that you do, I, I, I know you, every year you have your, your fundraiser showcase for the cure and uh, what an amazing event. I was fortunate to go a few years ago and uh, I've seen some video of the show last night. It actually happened last night and what's so, so amazing. I, I recognize several of the faces in the videos, uh, some local people and what an amazing event. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Thank you, David, for that. Um, as David mentioned, um, Laura is a breast cancer survivor. She's entered her 11th year of survivorship, so yay for that. Uh, but when we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do to give back, we had come to the realization we have a lot of friends in the, in, in the, who are musicians, very talented, very gifted, very incredible musicians. And we said, you know, let's see if we can do this thing. So uh, Zane McCune, who actually followed David as, dep as deputy of the Grand Master, I was fortunate enough to appoint uh, Zane as, as, as one of my deputies, uh, is a gifted pianist. Uh, As a note, Zane just subscribed to our YouTube channel. I just got the notification. <laughs> Yay! Yes, Zane's a very gifted pianist. He actually went to um. Uh, I want to make sure I get the right school. UPS on a music scholarship. He's a banker now. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Any event, um, you know, Zane and I are what, are what we call are what we call. Yeah, we've got we've got some musical talent, but we got professional lives. But it's nice to be able to dip back into that. So we started out. You know, where are we going to hold it? And we held it at his brother's coffee shop, uh, a soul food coffee house in um, in Redmond. And we just got, we got, originally we got together some people to, to see if they'd be willing to, for all intents and purposes, have a jam session to raise money for, for the fight against breast cancer. It has grown over the years. Uh, the lineups have changed, uh, but the mission is still the same, to celebrate survivorship and remember those who have gone through music. And it's amazing the generosity of the performers, uh, the generosity of those who attend. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And uh, you know, Coleman likes to come to the event. The the, the people who work, who are the executives of Puget Sound Coleman, because they see this incredibly neat organic thing happening. And we do it like I said, we we do it every year, typically around Laura's birthday. One year actually held it on her birthday, so that was kind of fun. We typically hold it around her birthday, and it's just a great celebration. And of course, as an aside, one of the um, one of the fun things that, that that one of the fun things of the event is is something that we call "Will Jim hit the note?" Uh, 
<laughs> because yes, every so now and then I will either be very pitchy or I will or or I will I will miss the note. But you know, thank God for Zane because he he does what he can to help me make help me look good. So <laughs> I know on the other thing that you're uh, very passionate about that I'm not part of as a senior DMLA or past DMLA, but uh, I'm fortunate to be part of the local chapter and whatever way I can. And uh, but the, our two co-hosts or my my two compadres are past senior DMLAs, and so you'd have a lot in common with them. I was fortunate to attend some of, uh, not all of, but some of the conclaver convention, the DMLA convention that happened just this weekend in Washington, and what a what a great experience. Young man from our chapter, uh, Sam Walker, just finished his term, and what a great year it was! And uh, look forward to the new guys coming in and and being part of that. So, I, it's it's fun to see the young men grow from who they were to who they are and who they're becoming. And and uh, one of the topics, one of the things we've talked about in the past is, you know, how can we encourage those guys to consider masonry. We don't want to force them in, of course. We want to make it opportunistic for them and, and interesting to them, just like any any man coming to the table. But uh, if you want to share some of your background in DMLA, and uh, I'm sure Connor and Steve will have some comments along the way. They always have some DMLA interest that I, well, I, I, I don't think about. I just want to say that you're talking about going to Sam Walker's conclave, which is great. Sam Walker is one of the, one of the most amazing DMLA I've ever met. But you missed my conclave. <laughs> I didn't know you then, Connor. I'm sorry. But it was the first conclave BC Demley has had had in like ten years. Come on, man, get on the bandwagon. <laughs> I, I did see that. Uh, uh, who it was that posted uh, in White Rock? Is it they're having the yeah River Peatman is 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 chairing that event. Yeah, so uh, there, there's a there's a chance that we might have a small contingent come up for that. That might be kind. I'll be at that. I uh, might be getting something that day. Well, you know, if David's going to make the journey, I might just have to miss another event here in the Okanagan. I was debating going down for that, you know, uh, but it would be really cool to get a group picture together with everybody. You should bring both gyms with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, now, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the banter. Uh, now, I joined DMLA when I was 14. Uh, joined Des Moines chapter, uh, which does, which has been, which has been reborn into Rainier chapter, uh, when, and they meet a little further north now. But uh, I didn't, you know, as a kid, you know, you're 14 years old, you you you, you know, you're you're doing this thing, but you know, I'm not quite sure what it's all about. Uh, but uh, I was really impressed with the with the ceremonial stuff. Uh, I drew great attraction to that, um, primarily because this is kind of an open thing here. I have a stutter. I know you're just going, really? You do? Yeah, I have a stutter. It's pretty severe, actually. A lot of concentration, a lot of stuff in my head that allows me to kind of minimize it. But uh, one of the ways that the stutter was, for lack of better, broken was because when I was a young kid in Catholic school, uh, the nuns decided that young Mr. Mendoza was going to be the MC of, of the talent show. <laughs> So the kid with the stutter is going to be in front of the microphone. Perfect. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah, that. Not not what you would call kind and gentle. Uh, so I, that's where I started. I think I'm. I'm sure that's probably where I started to develop my love for for performance because I realized that if I could commit dialogue to memory, uh, I wouldn't have to worry about a stutter because 
I knew what was going to be said and the pattern with which it had to be said. But you know, I was drawn to I was drawn to that. I was drawn to uh, the fact that there were there were kids that you would consider quote unquote the cool kid in school. You could tell they were, but they weren't going to. I wasn't being banished to the far table, and that was kind of neat. Uh, again, that's not something you see in a typical social setting, and so I so that kind of attracted me right away. Um, I ended up you know becoming master counselor in my chapter in 1979. Uh, and back in those days, the DMLA was pretty big in Washington. Uh, I remember my first conclave was held in Vancouver, uh, Washington, and there were like 1,500 kids at the conclave. The only place that was big enough in Vancouver to hold us uh, was the ice skating rink. So we actually, they actually had to, you know, you know, they had to put a floor on the ice skating rink. And now back in those days, I this on the side, back in those days, they had the, you, you know, you guys, you, you, the Canadians, you get this. They had the yellow lights, right? Yeah, yeah. Yellow lights, you know, didn't cause the ice to melt as quickly. Well, the dessert was chocolate pudding. So you can imagine this chocolate pudding under yellow lights. <laughs> it looked terrible. <laughs> and so we're all running outside and to go, to go under normal light to see if, in fact, it was chocolate. Because uh, we, we, we didn't know what to think. But there was just something very impressive about that. And again, here I am in this room of 1,500 people, and no one is trying to elevate, with the exception, of course, of those individuals running for office, no one was trying to say, I'm the alpha male here. And that was really cool. Um, and so it was very, so, you know, so DMLA held its attraction to me. Um, I had a great dad advisor uh, who believed in excellence, but also believed in having fun. Um, Makes the biggest difference, doesn't it? Oh, it's a huge difference. Oh, and by the way, as another aside, I can, I can, I, I can also say with great confidence that I got to introduce that I, when I was installed as deputy grandmaster, <laughs> my dad advisor installed me. Cool, very cool. So again, okay. So I so well again. Here I am. I have the I have a president of the school board and my dad advisor who were involved, <laughs> involved in my very very neat. So um, you've got you've got about as many years behind that gray hair as I do. Uh, uh, probably a couple yeah. more. But, oh yeah, uh, I, I, I I get to take advantage of the ten percent discount on the first Tuesday at the Fred Meyer. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this: If it's as true for you as it is for me, I'm now fifty and about to be fifty-one, and on my best friends list are, I think there might be two that are not senior DMLAs from my years in DMLA. Um, you know, we that brotherhood has really uh, it, it still exists all the way through this many years later. Uh, whether some have joined Masonry and some haven't, but um, they're still considered my closest, dearest friends today. I'll take that a step further. Um, I didn't join the fraternity until I was 34 uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, and then one day I get a, I get an I, I get a I get something in the mail from the committee to create Frank S. Land Lodge under under dispensation. Uh, I saw the list of people and I remembered all of these people from my youth, all of them. And so I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go to this dinner that they're having because it was a Chevalier dinner. I'm going to go to this dinner. I'm going to find out what they're talking about. Maybe I'll come home with a petition. Maybe I won't. But we'll see. Suffice to say, I came home with a petition. 
and it was really kind of neat to be able to be part of that. And so, Lodge actually exist. Pardon me. Does the Frank S. Lad Lodge exist now? Frank S. Land number three hundred and thirteen. Um, can you send me a petition? We can make that happen. I'll, I'll put it on. Let me get find a pen. You, you'll be surprised. There normally there's a pen right at my ready, but when it, we're, we're having the, we're doing this huge electrical remodel at my house this week, so we're like packing stuff up. <laughs> I, have, I have been wanting to join a lodge in in Washington, and uh, that sounds like the perfect lodge. Yeah, Connor, send me it's a, you, you'll send me a Facebook message. I'll make I'll, I'll make it happen because I need uh, to join a fourth lodge. <clears throat> <laughs> but in any event, um, uh, I'm actually the second person to take the degrees in the lodge. So uh, being a charter initiate of that lodge is really kind of cool. And I was their first fully homegrown master. So very cool. Yeah. So that's, that's very cool. So Frank S. Land is my is is my home lodge. I it, it's my home lodge. It's my mother lodge. It's something it, it's something that I'm I'm very very proud of. Uh, is it is it entirely made up of senior demolays? The large percentage of it. Large percentage of it is, is senior DMLAs, and those who aren't senior DMLAs are involved with the are are, are involved in one of the youth groups. Um, Bill White, who was one of the first uh, to join, uh, his wife was uh, his wife was a Job's daughter. He never joined DMLA, and now he's a member. He, and he's a member of Frank S. Land, another past master, great guy. And we have a lot of that. Uh, but I'm trying to think. I'm just trying to think through the line that we have. I can't think of anybody who's been master of that lodge who either has not been a senior DMLA or has not served a youth group. I can't think of one. Well, that'd be, I don't know. Can somebody from uh, outside, a, can a Canadian join, uh, affiliate with uh, an American lodge? Yes. Um, the, answer, the, the answer is yes. You just have to have a certificate of good standing. I'm, yeah. I'm a member of a lodge in England. So if yeah. I can join a lodge in England, I can probably join a lodge in Washington. Yeah. All you need, all to right. have, all you need is a certificate of good standing, and we, we got you covered. All right. So, hey, I'm going to uh, take a little pause here. We, we are an interactive podcast, and from our YouTube channel, Ernie Loisel has got a question here. What's that? He was one of our co-hosts last week. Yes, he was a co-host last week. We had a great time with him. His comment here is uh, going back to Jim's comment of, what can I tell my wife? Uh, his comment is, I'd like to see a workshop type presentation for a lodge focusing on masonry for the family as my lodge is putting something together for July. I'd like to hear what topics um, you would include. Interesting, because, you know, um, one of the things that we, we do in, in our jurisdiction, we have a, we have an annual, I, I know it as a warden's conference, but a lot of, a, a lot of lodge, um, uh, it's now called the Lodge Leaders Retreat because you know it's we want we want other officers involved as well, and we act we actually have a lot of combined sessions uh, with the husband and wife there to talk to talk about Freemasonry. So there's some basic things that we do. We do there's a lot of work at least in Washington uh, that's considered monitorial, in other words, public work. So we'll share the public work. For example, the original the original example, uh, the apron lecture is considered monitorial in my jurisdiction. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to talk, it's one thing to, to, to put an apron on, it's another thing to explain what it means. And so the apron lecture is something that we talk about. So anything that, so among the things we do is any any ritual that's considered monitorial, we share that. We want our ladies and our families to know that this is not just a bunch, bunch of mumbo jumbo. 
Now, here's the caveat. If you're going to share the monitorial work, you better know what you're saying. Right. Okay. Because, you know, and you just can't read it and say, well, what do you think? You know? <laughs> yes, yeah, for sure. sure. One of my one of my funnest times when I was mastering in the line of my lodge at our scholarship dinner, when I was emceeing that for the scholarships, I uh, would close the event by doing the closing charge. I would explain what it was and and perform the closing charge for the guests, the family, and the superintendent, and uh, the mayor, and everybody that was in attendance. And it was really fun. Yeah. Now, the number one thing you can't do is, you, and again, I I, I know I'm going to get I, I'm I'm going to get I'm going to get a little bit of blowback on this one, but I, I I'm I'm comfortable saying this. You can't turn it into a recruiting bit for the other organizations. Okay. If it's just like a. We come to Freemasonry on our own free will and accord. If your if your lady or your family wants to go to these uh, go to go to these other organizations, they've got to go there to their on their own free will and accord as well. And you right. can't make it look like a recruiting thing. That's the one thing you can't do. But I think David was well. I think David's wife was pretty great about the idea of, of having of having a book club. You know, getting a book like Pilgrim's Path or getting a book like. Freemasons for Dummy or the Idiot's Guide to Dummy, and kind of going, okay, let's talk about let's talk about the fraternity. I think a lot of your topics can be right in there. Um, there, here's a fun topic that I saw. Why do Masons love Scotch? There's an actual <laughs> web page uh, written. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's a web page written by that, 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 that's a that's written by written by Mason's lady, where she talks about you know some of the some of the some of the questions that that, that people would have about uh, about what the Masons do. One of them is why do Masons love Scotch? I'm going to see if I can find that website uh, really fast here, uh, so that way I, I can share that. But again, a whole list of topics about uh, that, that, that you can create. But again, the thing that you got, the thing that you've got to do is the stuff. Again, the stuff that's monitorial, share that. The books that are out there, share those. Those book clubs can do wonderful, or can can are wonderful at, at getting in at getting information at getting information out. Talk about installation, because guess what. You're going to want your, you, you, you know, all of a sudden your spouse is going to be thrust into things, right? And it's like, or your family's going to be thrust into things. It's like, what's this all about? You're not, you know, that's, you're just not, you know, that, that this is something that's going on. And you have to, you have to share that with it. You have to share what that installation is all about. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, the history of the fraternity. And I'm not talking about King Solomon. Don't go there. I'm talking about, <laughs> but those individuals who've been who, who are masons who have been president that's a great topic to, that's a great topic to talk about military leaders community leaders leaders of industry these are things that you can share with individual with, 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 with your family and you should share with your family because guess what the fact that we are all masonically connected to george washington is a big deal right by the way um uh Tomorrow is the anniversary of his inauguration as president. So, cool. yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, we've done is we uh, we try to have more social events so that they can include the, the spouses, and uh, we're making them very regular so that um, more the, we figure the more opportunities we create for them to be able to connect, uh, the better our chances are of strengthening. The brotherhood outside of the lodge room, yeah. and the women uh, that are 
coming out and interacting. Um, some of them get into, you know, why, what are, what are the things we do and what can they know? The others, they're just happy to, you know, see us um, be busy up until summertime and then they're wanting us to, you know, slow it down. <laughs> One other thing, if you're going to have a dinner, don't have the ladies cook it. Yeah, no, don't have. You're have that kind of, I've seen that happen. I, I actually saw a lot you do. There was a Valentine's Day thing, and the ladies did the cooking and the cleaning. Oh my lord! By the way, the website is themasonslady.com. If if you're gonna want someone to do the the cleaning and stuff, uh, why don't you donate you know a hundred bucks to your local DMLA chapter and ask them exactly. to do it? Exactly. So again, by the way, the, so the, the, again, the, the the website is themasonslady.com. Uh, it's it's really kind of funny. But uh, there, I, I, love that, I love that that, 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 that one blog goes. Why do make you know? That's what what is what's entitled again? Uh, an introduction to Scotch, and they they have a nice nice detail about Scotch. It's actually pretty good. <laughs> uh, Ernie's uh, got another comment here. Agreed. It's not only about the ritual, but also about the expectations of members and the. The work, uh, pardon me, and working the compromise of sharing your family time, especially if a man's aspirations are for the Grand Lodge office. Yeah. You know, interesting that you talk about aspirations. Um, I, t I tell people point blank that my only dream when I, when, when I became a Mason was to be master of my lodge. I just wanted to be master of my lodge. The path, the, you know, the, the pathway of becoming grandmaster for me was something that kind of happened i won't i don't want to say as a matter of course but but there were just things that were happening in my life that directed me that way um i had been appointed to multiple committees i'd been appointed you know i'd been i'd, I'd been granted callers and so forth and i grew up at least for me that if you're given responsibility then you better live up to those responsibilities because someone is watching you um, because if you don't live up to it, you're not going to get the next responsibility, whatever quote unquote aspirations you may have. Uh, it's the old line and it's kind of trite, but it's very true. Uh, yeah. the man doesn't seek the office. The office seeks the man. Yeah. I uh, actually had no aspirations to take any office. When I joined masonry, my mm -hmm. only aspiration was to do more memory work. Right. And, uh, I figured there'd be a lot of it to be done. Right. And I joined an ancient lodge because I, I heard that, you know, I could act things out much like we did in Demolay. <laughs> and, of course, that became true as well. Mm -hmm. um, Ernie has the ultimate answer. Masons like scotch because it helps wash down the peanuts. <laughs> uh, I thought he was going to say it helps to wash down the haggis. But, hey, that's another issue all its own. <laughs> That's on Robbie Burns night. <laughs> I do have an offline comment. Uh, our, our good friend Zane is uh, still watching, but he's traveling to a client meeting and he uh, texted me a question. He said he asked to uh, kind of bring it back to our original conversation. He, he was asking what uh, what would give what advice would give Jim give to older Masons about new ideas that younger Masons have and vice versa. Oh, actually, that's that's a really good question, and that's actually going to be part. Of, that's actually going to be part of my presentation, uh, you know, to to, uh, to 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 the to the brethren um, down in Oregon. I think you know the number one thing that we always hear is you know we we tried that and it failed. 
okay, so that's great, but what were the dynamics back then? The dynamics are from month to month, week to week, year to year, dynamics change. Different people come in, different ways of doing things come in. Just because it wasn't successful back then doesn't mean it can't be successful today. And we're, and, and we're seeing that everywhere. Lodges are reinventing themselves. And in many cases, they're reinventing themselves to what they were when they first started, you know? And in, and I and when we when we say it does it won't work because we tried that, that's incredibly dismissive of somebody who wants to bring something to the table. And we talk, we talk about you know membership, membership, membership. You forget that people forget that the other the other word to that is membership retention. You don't retain anyone when you dismiss them. So you can't be dismissive. The other thing that I would the other thing that I would. I, the other thing that 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 I would share with quote unquote an older Mason and an older Mason shared this with me is that when he said to me he goes I'm here if you need me okay this man has a lot of knowledge and all I have to do is ask him all right okay so to the older Mason I would say simply this you have a lot of knowledge be willing to share, not force, share. Um, I look at the fact that I'm 56 right now, and I've made it very clear to my lodge that I don't want to be, quote, unquote, that guy. Uh, you know, you don't talk about, you know, the guy who knows everything, the guy who can do everything. The guy. I don't really want to be that guy. I want to be here to help. I want to be here to be able to advance my worshipful master's agenda. I want to be able to help the, the, the next person who's coming up behind. I'm not yeah. going to force myself. All they have to do is ask. And I think it's, you know, because again, go back to the comment I made at the very beginning, the wisdom of ages. The wisdom yeah. of ages is out there. And so, yes, it's one thing for the younger person to tap into it. And when they ask the older person, please be ready to share some of your wisdom. Because guess what? When you're gone, you take it with you. And you know, lose that. You know, uh, to expand on that a little bit, you know, don't only be willing to share it. Pay attention to see if you can identify those who need it. You know, like just because a guy's going in as worshipful master doesn't mean he's got the experience to do the job. Mm -hmm. He might need a little help. He might need a little coaching, a little mentoring, mm -hmm. um, a little bit of uh, push in the right direction of, of uh, getting certain things done in a timely fashion. Um, you know, and it's not that they're ill-prepared. So that's a busy year. That's a lot of pressure for a lot of guys. And, um, you know, uh, as things change and evolve, you know, new things are, are out there and available for us now. And, uh, you know, I would, you know, I'd also like the older membership to just be aware that, you know, change can be good you know like for example the text message program i run in the okanagan here you know a couple of years ago we stand up in lodge and we talk about the text message program and how many guys have smartphones you know you might see five or six guys putting their hands up now you, you might find five or six guys who don't have a smartphone and now you know we've gone from having 40 guys on the text message program to 108 
and it just keeps growing. So be open-minded. I would, I would also say too that, you know, when, when I was coming in, I didn't necessarily know what questions to ask. And so that's that coming back for a new guy too, or they may ask a question of an older guy that's a little maybe grumpy or something, and he gets an answer that is a little bit abrasive. And so then that detracts him from wanting to ask more or ask again. So it can be, uh, want to make sure that we pass on that knowledge. I, I mentioned in my comment that uh, Jim mentioned in the green room at uh, Grand Lodge when I delivered a message about long range planning that when I joined masonry, I just assumed there's this ancient fraternity and I just assumed there was gonna be this regular course of education, maybe Saturday mornings at eight o'clock for the next week or every month or whatever it was. And when it didn't happen, then that became my expectation that there isn't this regular course of education. I, and that there's always the idea that you have to go and seek it. And I understand that, uh, but it would be nice to have some, a little bit more structured education format. And so uh, that's something I'm working on with my worship master to develop. We already have the tools are already in place that, you know, in our grand lodge, we have the, uh, the Canada education program, and then there's lodge officers training and there's the code of course. And then as uh, most worship mentioned, the, the Scottish Rite program would be a great segue into the next level. Yeah, you you have to, you know, you, you the thing that the important thing about education is this. If we don't have that, then we're just another social club. You know, there's more to, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the social aspect of, of, of Freemasonry. I get to interface with people that I would not normally interface with on a pretty, on a pretty regular basis. Uh, so to be, you know, so, and so to be able to, you know, and you know, to be able to talk with a retired lieutenant colonel from the Air Force, like Dave, you get to do with it with with our good friend Al Jorgensen, uh, to talk with a boring engineer, to talk with you guys. Um, that's not something that you typically get to do in quote unquote day to day life. You get that. That's a special privilege that you get with Freemasonry. So, you know, if you so yes, there is that neat social aspect, but there's the lessons that they can impart. And guess what? A lot of these older guys are also willing to be teachers. They love teaching classes. Now, the the big thing we all have to be careful of because, you know, we're also asked to teach things simply this, that we don't come off as scoldy. You know, we can't really scold somebody because if we do, guess what? It it dampens the message. If, it do, if not, just kind of wipes out the message. We have to make sure that, okay, I'm here. To, we're here to impart knowledge. What's the, what's the, what is it called? Whisper good counsel, you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. not scream down someone's throat, uh, you know? <laughs> but, but whisper good counsel, let them know, you know, maybe you should have tried this because guess what, what you, the way you did it, it didn't come off well. Uh, that, may, that I, uh, may I add my thoughts on this topic? Please do. Um, my father was a Mason and he ended up leaving Freemasonry um, because someone kept trying to give him advice in a way that was unproductive. So for instance, he told me a story of when he was doing, he was chaplain. So I think he was doing like the, one of the prayers or something. And after the meeting, someone came up to him and told him, you know, you, you, you missed this word. Like you were one word off or kept coming up to him and kept, and and I, I assume this brother had had the best 
the best in mind of what he was trying to do. He was trying to help my dad be a be a better Mason, but the way that he did it came across as as scalding, and that drove my father away from the craft. Um, now I've had experiences on the other side of things. Like there's one particular Mason uh, who was a past Grand Zerubbabel of Royal Arch. Uh, he's a past Grand Steward of Grand Lodge of BC. He's a really good friend of mine. He's a charter member of one of the lodges down in down in uh, down in uh, Washington. I can't remember which lodge, but anyway, he also runs a website called The Educator, which is a fantastic website filled with Masonic information. And uh, he's actually one of the two reasons that I that I ended up joining Royal Arch. He he was one of my sponsors, and I know that there's at any point in time, like I could pick up my phone right now and call him and be like, "Why again do we wear white leather and aprons?" Oh, right. It has to do with this. And um, he's super helpful. And he's the type of guy who I could call and ask the most stupid question or ask the most advanced question. And he would answer it in in a really positive way that would and he would help me understand things without making me feel stupid. And uh, I really think kind of talking about the, the Great Oaks from earlier, um, I really think that's important that that as Masons and as Master Masons, we are given the, the, the right, and I would almost say the duty, to correct and inform other Masons. But it's really important that we do that in a way that is productive. Otherwise, in the case of my dad, it can push away brothers who, in my incredibly biased opinion, are fantastic people. So no, there's, there's no bias at all. It's, 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 it's factual. We see, we see, we see it all the time. Uh, you know, I know I can think of a half a dozen community leaders who I know are Masons, but I've never seen in lodge, you know, and I know they went to the degrees. I know they've done that. I'm, I, I know a story of a, of, of an artist who joined lodge and he was so enamored with the second degree that he painted, he painted this beautiful staircase. And then one of the guys, then one brother said, "You know, you got these two things backwards." Wow. Guess what? You don't see that guy in lodge anymore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah that's a big shame. You know, it's. I often. I often the past grandmaster makes this comment. You know, not only do we shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes, but you know what we do? We look at the other foot, take aim. <laughs> I, I often I often say to a guy to new guys I said unfortunately we have a we have a habit of teaching by correction rather than by instruction and so I said just be careful there may be some we're pretty good in our particular lodge that we don't have the uh, we call them crotchety past masters or the, the guys that are are you know upset about things but uh, sometimes I got to get some instruction like Connor mentioned that's rough and they get turned off and so. Uh, a very good friend of mine, and uh, Jim knows him, Steve Stewart. He's a dad advisor for our chapter and has become a great, great friend. Uh, he gave me some advice when he's an elementary school teacher, and he said, you know, kids, I, I was asking him, I don't have boys, and so I was asking him, how can I relate to the guys? And he said, they don't remember anything except the last thing you told them generally. And always try to make it a positive comment. And so that always plays in my mind. Every time if I stand up, if they ask me for comments at the end, or if I'm talking to a young man, or even a Mason, anybody, I always play in that, that exact phrase in my head, how can I end this conversation on a positive note? Well, it's like Steve and I. I'll, I'll tell Steve that he's a crockety old bastard. And, uh, you know, <laughs> well, one, one of the, should, 
One of the That's ugliest. That's just his youth speaking. One of the ugliest people I've ever met. But you know, at the end of our conversations, I'll be like, "Hey, man, really, I'm glad we talked. You know, I really appreciate the information you've given me." You ugly old. <laughs> yeah, well, this ugly old fart has a, a new line that I've recently. I mean, I've been saying it for years. I, I, I you know, I've repeated many lectures, and this line is is so famous. But you know, to the new guys coming in. I think it's so important that we let them, we remind them that our lessons are illustrated by symbols and veiled in allegory. And so if they want to learn what it is, what the secrets are and what the, uh, what fraternity has to teach, pay attention, pay attention to every word, everything, all our rituals, they have meaning. There is something behind each piece done. And if, you wonder about what a piece might mean ask and i'll guarantee you, if the guy who asked doesn't know he'll find somebody who does absolutely absolutely right uh, but i will say right now that i think that steve's face is a little bit more attractive than mine mine's a bit scuffed up today which is why i'm not showing you my face today <laughs> oh battle scars you just can't see them all because they faded and they're a little you know <laughs> Well, I, I just want to say thank you so much to uh, Most Worshipful for joining us today. It's been a really spectacular program. And My pleasure. want to offer any last opportunity for comments or anything. Uh, yeah. It's been really great. Yeah, well, I think I think that if we can uh, let Jim wrap up with the last things here, then we can uh, close up the uh, podcast on a positive note. And, uh, again, I also would like to thank everybody for their time and remind everybody out there, if you like it, Please review it. Uh, it helps us with our ratings. So if I may, the, the last thing I'd like to share with everyone is that when I was Grandmaster, my theme was Be the Difference. Still is my personal theme. And what Be the Difference means, at least to me, is simply this. Each of us as, as Masons and as individuals are, are given opportunities to make things in our little corner of the world just a little bit better. I think Roberto Clemente said it best. If you're not spending your life trying to make a difference, you are wasting your life. We, again, we have this wonderful gift free masonry that has given us an incredible opportunity to do what we can do to make, again, our little corners of the world a little bit better. Let's not waste the gift. Let's do what we can to make our corners of the world a little bit, a little bit better. And let's, in fact, be that difference. And again, to you guys at the Working Tools Podcast, I thank you so very much for the opportunity to share to share the day with you. And we thank you for your wise words and experience and for making the time to come on and share that with our uh, global world here on YouTube. And naturally, uh, my brother, anytime you want to come on again, you are always welcome. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate that. Excellent. On that note, guys, I'm going to uh, kill, hit the kill switch, and uh, you all have a great rest of your day out there in Before YouTube. We Before we go, Steve, I believe we have an exciting announcement about our next month's or our next week's uh, guest. Yeah, we'll let David do that. Well, we're very fortunate to uh, have expanded our uh, Washington presence on the podcast. I know this is a BC uh, Vancouver-based podcast, but we're. I'm being from Washington. I'm slowly working our way into adding more Washington Masons. And we're very fortunate next week to have our most social grandmaster, Jim Kendall, will be our guest next Monday. Who who wears a fantastic quilt, I must say. I didn't I didn't make it, all the more shame, but it's still a fantastic quilt. Um, 
And yeah, uh, we're super excited to have uh, Most Worshipful Brother Jim Kendall, or the Grandmaster of Washington. And another thing, for anyone out there, uh, we may have started in BC and we may be expanding to take over Washington. But, uh, we, we are wanting to be an international podcast. So if you are a member of the Grand Lodge of Brazil, or the Grand Lodge of Florida, or the Grand Lodge of... I don't know, what's that new Grand Lodge that New York just instituted? Jordan, is it? The Grand Lodge of Jordan? And you want to be on our podcast, send us a message. And we we would love to have as many different people on because we're, I, I, I think our niche has become that we're kind of like a talk show podcast. We love having people from other different, from other different Grand Lodges on because it is those individual brothers from all around the world that really bring color to the craft. So... Uh, if you're if you're interested in, in coming on and joining us for a conversation, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. That's the Working Tools Podcast at gmail.com. There you go. All right, guys. Have a great rest of your day out there in podcast land. Talk to you later, brothers. Bye now.